Welcome to Translating Infinity. They are communicating. Have we forgotten how to listen? You gotta take this higher! It is a massive puzzle. And for the most part, humanity has been kept in the dark about the etheric pieces of the puzzle that change the entire structure and equation of which you have been focused. So this is the crossroads we speak of. This is the decision that is made at this time as to whether you will be willing to suspend identification with all that you've known in order to make space, make room for these missing pieces of the equation that will transform your consciousness and your lives. Welcome to episode 9 of the Translating Infinity podcast. I am your host, Eileen Meyer. Episode Belaheb. This is the tone of number 9 in the Cholkich sacred Mayan calendar and corresponds with the Mayan glyph of Ish, the mother jaguar. It is the feminine tone of our being, no matter our gender. It connects us to all the mystical information that swims throughout the natural world and the spaces and the dimensions between our thoughts and words and even every cell of our being. This would be the nature of my contact over the years. It is a humbling experience to be in the presence of this force of nature. It can also be an overwhelming surprise when we discover that this force can ignite and come alive inside of us, if we make room for it, as that 2019 clip made note of in the introduction. Many times and through many messages, this was the most important piece of data they wanted us to find within ourselves. This light coming alive inside would be the restoration of our natural state. Yet in this crossroads, we find that most are in a state of amnesia around all of this. We're still desperately searching for meaning in the external world through words, stories, persons, places, things, dots, lots of mental dots to connect that which we hope will one day solve this confusing and massive puzzle. This intelligence is accessible within each and every one of us. It's the whole point of this podcast, my book, my blogs, my groups over the years. This extraordinary life, this mystical life, wasn't just for an outlandish form of entertainment, or to suffer, or to experience ecstatic states or to be utterly alone, while knowing the divine in my form, for no apparent reason. None of it fit with the life that I was desperately trying to carve out for myself, just like everyone else. While I have been blessed with some good teachers in this life, my greatest teachers were not human. I learned how to listen to them, I learned how to trust. While I have found all of the messages to be timeless, and I will continue to refer to resonant messages recorded in the past, from here on out on this platform, I'll begin sharing the guidance streaming through now, data that we need to move forward into the unknown. And as always, I will continue to report on my own personal application and progress with these teachings. I may have a 25-year head start on this, but as you'll see in this episode, I am constantly challenged to break through even more layering of fear and resistance. Still, I remain engaged with it. 
And I want to invite you into this life and ongoing transformational process. I'm here to reveal, to demonstrate what I have found to be a lifeline in these times, developing my connection to the unseen realms. Again, this path is not for everyone. It will be uncomfortable at times before we break through to the primordial layers of who we are. It's where the soul is. It's where the mother lives. Up to this point, I have taken you through eight overview episodes of my history as an experiencer. It felt like I needed to do that for context, because I obviously live in a different sort of context than most. I figured that out early on. And a shout out to those other experiencers, travelers like me, whom I've had the great pleasure of meeting and co-creating in this shared divine resonance. I'd like to pivot now and share about my recent road trip through six U.S. states. While we did visit other sacred lands, the ultimate destination, as given in the last episode, was the ancient site of Chaco Canyon on the Navajo lands in northwestern New Mexico. If you have not yet listened to episode 8, I encourage you to do so before continuing on with this one. It'll make more sense. As given in the previous episode, I had been called once again to visit Chaco Canyon. When I say called, it comes in the dream states and or in my communion time with the beings, the way they taught me, through the feminine technologies of feeling, knowing, visions. I kept the dates of travel to myself, never making it public, and extended an invitation to those in my close circle of clients and friends. I was very proud of those who did respond and did make the journey. At the same time, this sort of thing is definitely not for everyone. No judgment here. There were no expectations placed upon anyone to attend. These off-the-grid conditions are crude and can be quite uncomfortable, especially for those who are dependent upon the nearness of physicians, medicines, or generally require more comfort for their well-being. Several people wanted to come, and even up to the last moment, were planning to attend, but ultimately could not. This was generally due to missed correspondence, and in one case, a last-minute exposure to COVID, so sharing a tent and campsite in that case would not have been wise. All of it was fascinating to watch from the moment I received the vision to the moment we landed in group campsite number two in Gallo Campground nestled among the fallen boulders and cliffs of Gaio Wash. How many arrived? In the end, there were nine. I traveled by car with dear friends from the Pacific Northwest to Colorado, where we met up with Mayan Aki Eduardo Griego Gonzalez. He was a guest in episode two, and we'll hear from him again in this one. From there, we traveled seven hours to this remote location, to fulfill the vision message received in early spring to visit again. At the time, I was shown the dates on a calendar in my third eye, June 23rd to 25th. As I wrote and compiled the previous episode about my calling and experiences in Chaco Canyon in 2013, I became aware that it was exactly to the day, nine years ago, that I was summoned and responded to that call. I am still amazed by the perfection of all of this. All of the nines, Belaheb, the feminine, the mother jaguar, the invisible wisdom, the in-between that is making itself known once again to those who are listening. I was so curious about the number nine showing up as I wrote episode nine that I decided to call Eduardo to ask him to expand on what he had learned from his teachers in Guatemala about the meaning of nine, Belaheb. So Eduardo, I wanted to reach out to you to ask you uh, to further expound on the meaning of the, uh, the number, the tone, Belaheb, in the Cholqui sacred calendar. Okay. 
Yeah, let me see if I can give you some more information that'll help you understand what Belehib means. Uh, it really, in a nutshell, means the feminine energy, uh, and it represents also the arriving at the top of the pyramid. We notice that most of the pyramids throughout Mesoamerica have nine levels. Some have less, some have more, but the major ones have nine. And we're at that ninth level now in regards to human consciousness. So it also corresponds to seeing from the top of the pyramid and looking in the four directions and the staircases that are going up and down from Earth to the cosmos. It also corresponds to remembering that feminine energy can be used as a magician on Earth, the nurturing of those who work with nature and the universal laws. So it's pretty uh, important energy that we're talking about here. In addition, the sound of Beleheb is a nurturing sound and it connects us to the gentle part of ourselves, the gentle part of us within and creates a connection to the soil that actually can be used to cut away uh, negative energies. What we would say bad energies or negative energies can be cut away using soil. And there's a lot of history that uh, goes along with that uh, aspect of using earth to do healing. It also corresponds to the left foot, and it means to walk. And Beleheb connects to our body's power place, where strength. And in Chinese teachings, it's the third chakra, and they refer to it as the Dantian, or the field of elixir. So it really is an energy uh, whirlwind space in human beings where we maintain our strength and we uh, keep our strength. And we humans, in reaching this ninth level of Beleheb, human consciousness is now capable of reaching this level. However, uh, most of us are not doing that due to our continuing struggle with the past. And uh, even though the past no longer exists, we spend a lot of time thinking about it and remembering it and in, in traumatic events that occurred maybe. Uh, have an effect in keeping us from remembering now that we're in the present moment and that we have reached this higher level of consciousness. Yeah. So I hope that gives you a little bit more information. Absolutely. Thank you um, for articulating that. Uh, it's it's interesting the number nine just keeps popping up. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to ask you if you realized um, that there were nine people there uh, in our group and that the numerology for the day of our fire ceremony was a number nine day. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Well, and, it's, a, it's a sacred number. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, as, as this podcast episode comes together, it's, it's always leading me and showing me these things, which is um, quite delightful. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for checking in. Some of my circle of close friends did ask me why my given date did not align with the summer solstice on the 21st, as one might expect. That would make more sense, right? As we were planning to do two Mayan ceremonies, a cacao ceremony on the eve of the 23rd, and I was shown that the Mayan fire ceremony would take place on the eve of the 24th. Incidentally, even though we had long been given permission by the park director to do the fire ceremony, New Mexico fire restrictions had been put in place as we were traveling there. While we were not able to build the usual ceremonial fire, Eduardo did an excellent job of holding the space and guiding everyone through these ancient teachings and symbols. And on the land in this region, where there is growing evidence that the Maya did travel from what we call Central America and Mexico today to visit this ancient civilization of what we named Anasazi. I'm not here to fill you in on what archaeologists, anthropologists, and researchers are uncovering about this. 
it is certainly not my area of expertise. I am more oriented to the inner landscapes of consciousness and how it bridges to the natural world and all of her dimensions. Back to the dates. I also did not understand why our planned ceremonies did not coincide with the official summer solstice on the 21st. But after many years of receiving accurate guidance and messages, I trusted it. It turns out there was quite a rainstorm and flooding that hit on the solstice day and into the next. Some of the already very rough roads leading into both the southern and northern routes into the canyon had become impassable. While we did experience some light monsoon rain during our stay, which was delightful, we learned that the larger rainstorms were to hit again after our departure. In addition, the daytime temperatures had been quite high and dropped significantly during the three days we were there. We were most grateful for this reprieve from what can be extreme summer temperatures in Chaco Canyon. So what happened during our stay at Chaco? Why was I called to be there again? I was shown that it was mainly about the Mayan fire ceremony. We were physically there, reorienting to the land and sky with little interference from light or electromagnetic pollution. And along with other guests, we were consciously connecting with the portal or dimensional intersection that Chaco Canyon is and is known for. It's one thing to read about it or watch something on the History Channel. It's quite another to consciously and fearlessly engage with these powerful forces. Here is an excerpt from a transmission I recorded almost three weeks prior to our arrival at Chaco Canyon, emphasizing the importance of grounding into the land in our first night there. It's something that I thought I had done, but as you will hear further on, Apparently not well enough. The joy of this magic when you come together, when there is intention with those who gather, this alignment, this connection to other aspects of the self come into alignment and more understanding occurs. It may not be instantly recognizable in the event planned, but will play out following the event. There can be no expectation. Expectations for something to occur in these gatherings is sure to prevent it over inviting it. So the intention will include the surrender and the trust that all of these connections that these groups are seeking will be met in the moving forward and living the life, engaging with life. One cannot expect to have transformation when one is not engaged with their life not engaged directly with the magic of life. For it comes through the action and the movement. This is the larger part of the intention, is the actual movement. To make it real by moving, being, doing, as one is inspired this is where you will see the connections that are made in these crossroads, in these intersections. This is not a performance for you. It is a meeting place 
where you may be lifted through intention into a forward momentum for your higher self, soul, overall intent at this timing. So it is an accelerator. And again, when there is acceleration from these higher frequencies through this contact with more of yourself, there can be resistance and pain which can translate to uncomfortable experiences for some. The uncomfortable experiences are 100% from resistance, from shadow, from that which the individual does not choose to consciously review and heal. If there are blocks, those blocks will be felt. So in essence, the work that we are doing here for these meetings is an agreement to assist the acceleration so that these souls can more fully recall their gifts, their purpose, their passion, and allow this divine current to flow through in a more harmonious and balanced way. Mother Earth is one of the major pieces of this equation, this puzzle of how this works. So there is just as much emphasis as was pointed out in an earlier connection with this location that you call Chaco Canyon. There is just as much emphasis on the connection to the land. In fact, if this is not accomplished and one has resistance, this will be quite uncomfortable. So the importance of guiding the connection to the earth, to the mother, is crucial before the first night. It is up to you how you generate this group intention and connection to the earth. We are here to assist, to facilitate, remembering, helping those who choose to be lifted, offering this opportunity for reconnection to themselves, not to extraterrestrials, but to these dimensional frequencies that they resonate with, that they are in harmony with, when the fear and the blocks and the pain is removed. Healed. When these healings take place, when the shadow is confronted, this is what opens the human being up to many more dimensional, interdimensional experiences whole new worlds open. When the body instrument is tuned to a degree to experience it in a benevolent way, even as I was editing that excerpt from the message, I found that hearing it again 
provided even more layering and context for what occurred. On June 23rd, we arrived. We had a glorious welcoming rainbow in the eastern sky shortly after we set up camp. All of us were so excited to be there. One of our friends and fellow campers began to prepare and then led us through a cacao intention-setting ceremony. It was all so perfect, so beautiful. Well done, my friends. I was happy. I felt like I was in the right place at the right time. I felt fearless, open-hearted, and ready for anything. Or so I thought. I was quite confident, and I figured I had this one in the bag. After all, I've had lots of practice with the high strangeness and discomforts of contact over my lifetime. But all of that seemed to go out the window this time. What I have to report is not all wide-eyed, beautiful, and amazing. Though I did have wide eyes, for sure. I slept well on our first night of June 23rd and experienced a mix of paranormal events. The first part of the night was the buzzing up and down my spine and the jerking movements in my body. A lovely blend of the Earth's natural energies merging with mine, as I've experienced in past visits. It's a welcoming energy, and I'm sure the blend of cacao helped with all of this too. None of it was unfamiliar to me. These are common feelings, precursors to contact. Sure enough, As the energy expanded, I experienced the, what I call, hand dancing that I have awakened into so many times over the years. This happened a lot in the 1990s. I relate it to the power of the goddess and the bioenergetics of Kundalini. I fell into a deep sleep and I had a lucid dream. I awoke to find a strange outline of a person inside the tent. Now, mind you, I had to look this up later, what this being could be. It was physical, but it was also just a black shadow. That's when I found all the material on what others have called shadow people. Scary stuff for many. To me, it was a black, opaque human form with no distinguishable features like a black hole in the outline of a person. Here are some of my phone recording of the dream on the morning of the 24th. It's June 24th, 2022 in Chaco Canyon. It's about 5.30 in the morning, 5.40. The dream I had, well, first of all, the energy filled me again, just like it did nine years ago wonderful swirling love energy throughout my whole torso area seemed focused and in my heart and I started jerking and the hand dancing happened it was exquisite and I woke there's more to that but I woke to a dream where I was that someone was looking out the window to the south inside the tent and I was right up next to them and I was talking to them and I just picked up their hand like to get their attention and it just dropped it was dead and it dropped completely dead weight it was there I mean it was alive but it was not alive it was human and I couldn't reach it. I wasn't afraid at all. I just recognized that it was dead, that it was done. So right now I'm walking out on the road and it's so beautiful. I can't even begin to describe the joy I feel when I'm here just like nine years ago. I found that shadow of a human fascinating. It had no life force, no power. After all of these years, with all of these mystical experiences, 
I trust that I will know the meaning of these things as my life moves forward. I've learned not to demand explanations for things. Trust, patience, and humility goes a long way in these encounters. Overall, I felt good about my night. The next day was about exploring some of the sites, preparing for the fire ceremony, and experiencing it with our little group of nine. Afterwards, we all went to our respective tents and campers, filled with a scent of copal and images of our offerings into the fire pit, sugar, candles, chocolate, rosemary, wood, sesame seeds, everything but the fire itself. It had been a good day. I was expecting to sleep very well. On June 25th, I woke up at 1.30 a.m. in the morning in a full-on panic attack. And I don't have panic attacks. Of course, there was that time in 2015 when I had to do several months of brain-spotting trauma therapy to heal some past stuff that was demanding my attention. And I did experience significant healing with this therapy. So much healing and so much new space opened up within me to continue building the resonance that I use to commune with this cosmic intelligence. But for some reason, this time it was different. That night, I shot straight up in my sleeping bag, desperately trying to catch my breath. My heart was pounding out of my chest, and I felt like I was dying. Something was closing in on me. I had been sleeping deeply, and I had no memory of a nightmare or anything that preceded this sudden awakening into shock. As I frantically tried to think what to do to understand what was happening, I heard and felt, breathe. So I took a few deeper breaths, and while it was helpful, I recognized that I had a more pressing physical need to use the campground facilities. So I do recall getting up and out of my sleeping bag and unzipping myself out of the tent. Several of us had discovered that if we left even just an inch of unzipped tent, the kangaroo mice would come to visit and explore what we had to offer in our temporary housing and cupboards. As I walked to the restroom, I observed from above, watching myself walk, and then I would be back in my body from the perspective of me feeling the need to pee. I also became aware that I was completely unafraid of anything in my external environment. I felt nothing, really. So while I had awakened in a terrified state, seemingly moments before, the fear did not follow me to the restroom. In fact, there was no emotional thread or story that connected these pieces of memories. As I walked back to the tent, I stopped for a moment, turned off my flashlight and looked up. Just as these extraordinary experiences with otherly intelligence, the striking beauty of the canopy of stars and star clusters without the light noise of the city is utterly untranslatable. It was breathtaking. I felt like I was there, taking in this view for hours. Cut to inside the tent. The next thing I remember is I'm back, climbing into my sleeping bag, and then right back into my panic. I was completely disoriented and experienced no sense of linear time and place as I struggled to stop whatever was happening and return to a sleep state. Turns out this wasn't going to happen. Visions and downloads came next. They were talking to me the way that they do and always have during these encounters and they were showing me things. It reminded me a lot of my 1987 massive download experience that I had covered in episode 3. And from experience, I know that it seems to unpack as I live and move forward in my life. Some of what I was shown, I have not even told to those closest to me. I don't know how. I have no words at this time. But I know from experience that I will recognize it when it manifests into time and space 
and in the course of my life. I also want to mention that during these intense downloads on this night, I was startled by one of our campmates crying out as if he were awakening from a horrible nightmare or was actually experiencing great distress. I recognized that it was him by the tone of his voice. I couldn't really move to respond, though I remember holding my breath and listening carefully to see if his tentmate came to the rescue. At times it was easy to hear conversations, even quiet ones, in the neighboring tents. Nothing further came, from him or his tentmate. How could this horrifying shriek into the still night air go unattended? The next day I approached him and asked him if he had experienced any dreams or weirdness in the night. He said no. I told him what I'd heard. He just looked down and shook his head. No, I don't remember anything like that. He seemed genuinely perplexed. I'd like to add a clip of my voice memo account of this night as I settled into my first normal bed in days on the evening of the 25th in Moab, Utah. We had left Chaco Canyon earlier in the afternoon. Hearing my account while still swimming in the shock and fatigue of it all may add more dimension to what I've already shared. We did the fire ceremony, cleaned up and went to bed. And um, I woke up at 1.30 in the morning and I woke up in anxiety, panic, terror. Uh, something, that, that same familiar feeling of something way bigger than me is present and I didn't get a sense of who and where but I was in fear there was nothing to attach the fear to it wasn't like I heard a noise or um, something's in the tent or you know it, it was just it was just pure fear and I sat up in bed and I was just trying to keep from losing it. Um, finally, I was able to calm myself down enough, and I went to go use the camp bathroom. I wasn't afraid of anything outside. Um, I just felt... I felt a lot of pressure in my head and just pressure all all around. Um, I hadn't been thinking about anything or worrying about anything. So when I tried to go back to sleep, I tried to do breathing, and uh, then I went into all I know. It's just like last time. It's like tons of information, downloads, and... I don't even know how to begin to describe, but I'm going to just say that it was about, it was giving me information about my future and the, what I am to be focused on and rise to my highest level. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be who you are and to share what I'm learning and so many more dimensions of that that it's so hard to explain how they talk to me but I understand it I understand it perfectly I just can't retain it all um, I was being shown in my third eye movies that they show me that um, I've been holding back and so I'm going to reflect on all of that I never did um, really fall back asleep. I might have dozed off a couple of times, but I never fell back asleep. So we drove to Moab, Moab Utah today, and um, I'm exhausted. So that's about all I can remember, recall. And um, it, it was pretty profound. I got so much information it was like 
oh good we can communicate with her and it's not like I feel like they can't any other time but it was almost like okay let's get this all to her now while we can and uh, as it comes out as it plays out I'll, I'll report more but um, I finally did you know overcome the fear but I the next morning this morning I felt kind of bad like I'd failed the test you know that I didn't I wasn't able to find my balance when I was afraid and um, I remember the them saying that like how do you return to balance what do you know how how to do that what I've been shown I couldn't remember anything it was too much fear too high frequency kind of thing so I feel like I failed <laughs> although I know that's not the perspective of this intelligence but I, I felt like I didn't do very well because in 2013 when they came to <laughs> test me and I they were in my room and um, you know the energy of it and and I was able to I was able to maintain and, you know, understand and bring myself back to balance and not spiral into fear. So it still happens, you know, after all these years. But I feel like they said what they wanted to say and they delivered it to me, downloaded it into me. So it's time to go to sleep now. This has been an extraordinary trip. There's something about these portal locations I have found that allow for more direct communion with this light-sound intelligence. I seem to have a more shamanic or mystical connection to this intelligent presence, so seeing something in the skies is not the ultimate stamp of validation for me. At the same time, I understand that others do require this for proof, whatever that means in the world of high strangeness. It isn't that I haven't witnessed anomalies in the skies, but my more profound contact has always been directly and resonantly within. I keep getting pulled back into the essence of Belaheb, the number nine, Perhaps what I'm doing is attempting to articulate what it's like to be an experiencer and through a feminine lens. We all know how much of the masculine-oriented material dominates social media about UFOs, UAPs, CE5s, government disclosure, celebrity podcast hosts, and guest rock stars. Most are men. Hey, I like men. (laughs) But my experiences don't fit into the framing that most of them have offered. And while it may not be for me, I recognize that this is perhaps helpful to some. Many of us are emerging now, and no one individual has all the answers. The ones who are restoring their originality, not just regurgitating narratives, must come together, connect with each other, authentically, fearlessly, and to deeply relate. In this, we may continue to uncover more of the resonant tones and data to fill in these gaping holes left by eons of patriarchal left-brain rational materialistic worldviews. I think we can all see the writing on that wall. Status quo or increasingly violent behavior fed by fear-based compartmentalized thinking is pretty much the equivalent of death. I choose life. So I will talk about what I experience, how I've been grown beyond this limited spectrum of thinking, with help, lots of help, from them, the visitors, the others. It's been lonely, but this intelligence keeps telling me that you are out there too. All of you who are like me in some way, different, yet still with a full heart, an experiencer of something more, whatever you want to call it, but shamed into staying quiet about it. 
feeling and interconnectivity with something that's initially scary, but then very, very loving at the same time. Knowing that this is a really fucked up place, and yet somehow we know that it's up to us to change it. It's up to us to change ourselves. My work is to help people shake up their old patterns and offer an accelerated movement forward. I am not excluded from this uncomfortable acceleration, as you have just heard. Things are changing fast. According to the downloads, I'll be working in tandem with this intelligence to help those who want to shake loose from the old paradigm and consciously step into the new. And sometimes we may do this in these portal locations. For now, I need to keep listening and integrating. Meanwhile, get to know her. Belaheb, Ish, Mother Jaguar, the Great Mother. This is the number nine. The end of a cycle and the beginning of the new. If we don't consciously choose to meet her now, she will meet us in more unconscious ways. It isn't to be mean or angry. It's to do what she has to do to restore her kingdom in the natural world on earth and throughout the natural cosmic web in which we all live, whether we are aware of it or not. I'm going to share part of a 2019 transmission that I named Love Is All at the end of the podcast. The entire message is linked below to YouTube. It's just a sample of what I've been taught about the mother within. The more I broke through what felt like centuries of pain, the more I could hear her. purpose for you being here now. Don't be afraid. We'll meet in the intersection and we'll hear them say, welcome home. So when this begins to fall away, in all the ways that you have known and attached to it, you must go within to discover who you actually are. And for those who have found safety and protection and data that served the worldview, this is terrifying. This is the proverbial rug being pulled out from beneath you. And what we have been sharing is that this is not something to fear, even though we have compassion and we do understand that a great deal of humanity is in fear, is in a paralysis at this moment because they are feeling the rug being pulled. Now many as well, because of the fear that they have oriented to, the trauma that they have oriented to, to relate to, to defend, to identify with, they have their projections being provided for them so that they can stay on course with where humanity is being driven, Uh, humanity that is unaware of their connection to all and their connection to their original source creator, connection to their guides, angels, directly, not as a story that has been provided for them. So this is the timing. This is the separation 
uh, wheat from the chaff, as it has been outlined. This is the timing where this occurs simply through vibration. It is a natural course. It is a natural cycle. There is no death, ultimately. There is simply change. So love is all. And it is all that this collective of consciousness that speaks... through some humans on earth is simply guiding with love, reminding humanity of what love feels like, reminding humanity of what the mother feels like, what interconnectivity feels like, what oneness feels like. For this has been forgotten. This has been programmed out of human consciousness. And this disconnect is what keeps the trauma driving the bus. And those are choices. So we share love. We speak of love. And now you are discovering that this is not ungrounded, it is the most grounded thing that you can identify with, love. For this is what your creator is. Creator is not an idea of love. Your creator is not a story of love. It is an actual presence. And if you choose to welcome this into your life, it may destroy everything that you thought you knew, everything that kept you safe in your story. The only safe place in this moment is love. <laughs> 